Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. mailbag or from my asking asking for them uh, over the weekend apologies that we didn't get a show out yesterday by the time you guys are listening to this um on the podcast feed got a little sick um and 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 wasn't able to go but feeling better now gonna get going here in a second so austin reeves has really impressed for team usa and um, it's making me, and I'm already pretty high on the guy, but I'm, it's making me rethink what he is capable of individually and, and, and what he brings to the table potentially for the Lakers. Um, and, and it's also been really funny to watch uh, <laughs> people who I think underrated him because he was... Now, look, I think he's going to get more hype because he's white, but I also think that um, there are going to be people who are going to be jaded about him because they are cognitive of the overhyping that typically happens with white players and does happen with white players. And, and, and it has happened, by the way, with Austin Reeves in some spots. And, um, and I, it's been funny to watch everybody just kind of come to the collective realization of, holy shit, <laughs> this guy's actually that guy. Um, you know, he actually might be him and, and it's been, it's been funny. It's been fun. It's been great to watch that take place. And it's made me think, what is it about Austin Reeves in particular that allows him to be so versatile and positively impactful? And, um, I'm going to use a couple analogies and I'm going to use, uh, some terminology that has become popular and and the, the the term that comes to mind is connective with austin reeves right that uh he you know he he's a multiplier of talent out there on a basketball court but i also think that almost some that that that, that kind of sells him short a little bit um alex caruso i think is a more purely connective player uh he is much more the mortar to a brick wall than he is a a a brick cornerstone type player and the thing that really makes me excited about austin is that he can do both he can be a connective player and he does positively impact players when he is operating as the mortar in a wall but he also because of his ability on the ball can be a brick on that wall 
is going to be expected to be a brick on the wall given the contract that the Lakers just gave him. And certainly given the contract that he expects to get after this next deal that he uh, just signed with the Lakers. So like when you watch, you know, and, and the, the sensation watching him play is actually very similar to uh, uh, Troy Halliburton. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. But it's, it's, uh, it's, it's similar in that when you watch both of those guys play and you sit there and you say like, man, it just seems to, it just seems to work better when one of those guys uh, is out there and Tyrese Halliburton uh, for the Pacers. I'm completely blank for a second. He's going to be a Laker. Uh, but, but the thing with both of those players is, is you watch them play and, and the game just seems to make a little bit more sense when those guys are out there. And what is actually going on there is that they are capable of being the mortar and the brick in, in that, you know, Tyrese Halliburton is a really good pick and roll player and understands which pass to make, but can also space the floor and allow somebody else to operate in that way. Right. That's why late in that game against Germany. And I hope you guys are watching this. And, and by the way, uh, I'm going to be covering this team basically as if it was the Lakers because it's August and I feel like doing it. But um, for, for the, the, that run that Team USA made against Germany when they had trailed for much of the game, that run that they went on to get back into it in the fourth quarter and eventually seal the game was when they had Halliburton and they had Reeves and they had Anthony Edwards out there all at the same time. And Reeves, brick or mortar. Halliburton, brick or mortar. Edwards, very much a brick. And, and, and that wall stood up and, and really took care of business um, against the Germany team that had really presented some problems for most of the game against Team USA. And, and you know, it's what makes me super excited thinking about what Reeves can bring from that experience over to what the Lakers are hoping to get from him this year, where, yeah, uh, there are going to be some lineups where you're going to need Reeves to go out there and operate in the pick and roll and, and run the offense and, and, and manage all of that stuff and all of those responsibilities for shorter stretches of the game. But then he's also going to be expected to go out there and, and, and fit in, in a LeBron AD lineup. He's going to be expected when, when D'Angelo Russell is also out there, right? Uh, Reeves is going to operate in very much the same way that he's operating next to Halliburton. Um, when, 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 the, when the game is really flowing the way that it can for Team USA. And, you know, for an example of, of who isn't necessarily this way is Jalen Brunson. And it's kind of why that starting group is, is struggling when he is out there or doesn't feel like it's, it's operating at its optimal levels when he is out there. And it's because he is just a brick. Not shooting-wise, he has a good shooting touch and stuff like that. But, I mean, he has to hold the ball in his hands. He is not capable of being a multiplier out there when he is expected to be connective tissue uh, on, in those lineups. And, and uh, you know, in some of these cases, when you have Anthony Edwards out there, and, and you really need to prioritize Anthony Edwards over Jalen Brunson, it's kind of clunky because Jalen Brunson is not the kind of player who, and it's kind of weird that this is the case because it went fine when he was with 
um, when he was with Luka Doncic in, in Dallas, uh, though he has reached a stage of his career where I think he is a little less connective than he was just starting out. And also, Luka is just a better player than Anthony Edwards, and I think that's going to be, that's obviously makes this comparison not necessarily apples uh, to apples. But yeah, when, when, you, when you look at why those lineups and why the basketball just seems to make a little bit more sense when Reeves is out there or when Halliburton is out there compared to when Brunson is out there, it's because Reeves and Halliburton can be both connective and, you know, structurally integral, I guess, would be the other term that you could go with there. Um, and, and, and the fact that, that we can't say that about Austin makes me really excited for what they can, what the Lakers will be able to do with him. And, you know, uh, I caught some shit, and I still stand by it if you're just looking in the aggregate um, for saying that I, I, I still prefer Caruso at this stage of his career uh, to Reeves. But if what we are seeing in Team USA or from the, the play that we've seen from Reeves in the playoffs last year and what we've seen from him uh, from Team USA thus far, if that's actually who he is and that and that quick release three is actually legitimate and and he uh, takes steps forward across the board here, yeah, I could definitely see him uh, leapfrogging Caruso in terms of just overall ability as a basketball player. I don't think he'll necessarily be as impactful on either side of the ball as Caruso is defensively, but when you're talking about an aggregate and, and general impact, that ability to be both the brick or the mortar on your wall, that is something you can't quite say about Caruso or cannot say about Caruso just flat out because he can't main, you know, handle the pick and roll in the same way that, that Reeves can. And because he, because he can't break guys down off of the uh, dribble in the same way that Reeves can. He doesn't get to the line in the same way that Reeves does. And, you know, that's another point here. It's been funny to see, uh, it's been funny to see the, the, the grifting techniques that we see from Alex Cruz, or not uh, Caruso, from Austin Reeves be successful in FIBA play where they don't really reward those kinds of techniques. Um, and I think it really kind of boils down to when he does, you know, draw that contact and then he leans away from the player, he's still looking to put a good shot on the ball. You see, he always has good rotation on his shot. He's still trying to get it up on the rim, not just get it up on the rim, but also make it. And, and that makes it look like more of a basketball play. So you combine all of this, everything, the connective and structural aspect of his game, the fact that he can be the brick and the mortar on a wall, and the, the, the fact that I think as the NBA tries to crack down on that grifting stuff, uh, that he might still be able to get some of those calls because of what he does after the whistle. Um, yeah, I he he can be a very special player. And and look, I've I've heard from people around him who you know really legitimately think he could be, you know, a, a top five to ten point guard in this in this league. You know, and be well above league average as a starter and you know from what we've seen in in, in in team usa play where he is standing out among some of the absolute most promising young players that the league has to offer and now like obviously he's he's younger than those guys and 
you know, it was funny to see him play against Isaac Bonga um, in that Germany game. And, and you realize, holy shit, he's like two years older than Bonga somehow. Uh, so like, you know, he's more developed and, and that is certainly going to be a factor in, in, in uh, what his body is capable of compared to others and the maturation that those other players uh, can undertake in the two years between now and when, when they arrive at uh, where Reeves is right now, physically and mentally, but still he is a, a, a fantastic player and a, and will be a key part of whatever it is the Lakers hope to do this season. And, and what it really is going to boil down to and what makes him special specifically is the fact that he can do anything from, multiply elite talent on the court or be the elite on-ball talent that allows off-ball talent to, to multiply everything else going on around him. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, uh, I, I do want to just say really quickly about Team USA and, and, and just in general here. Um, I know you guys have noticed that the uh, content has slowed down a little bit in, in the last couple weeks, uh, and, and I cannot wait to get back to be doing this not just every day but twice a day where we have lowdowns and lounges on, on these days. Um, but the plan right now is to cover Team USA as if it is the Lakers and, and talk about that team in that way as well. Um, I, I watched winning time and didn't necessarily have many thoughts on it and certainly not enough to dive into, um, you know, our, our previous special guest who recapped, uh, an episode ago. Um, I did talk about it with Harrison in last week's lounge. So if you want to check that out, you can, um, but, but yeah, for, in terms of like planning content, we're going to be covering team USA in depth and we have the preseason, uh, no, the, the season re previews <laughs> that are going to be coming out here in the next week or so as well as we get ready, as my family gets ready to go on vacation. Um, so that's the, uh, that's the show notes that, that we needed to, to get out of the way as well. So let's go ahead and get to your questions. So I'm going through them and I had it pulled up and then did some research and lost it. So I'm going to find it and, and get to me asking you for questions and it doesn't look like they are pulling up. So that's not great either. I sure love doing this live. This is just incredible content, right? Uh, here we go. So the question I got from, uh, Nathan Mark ideal minutes per games and games played for LBJ this season. I would like 30 minutes a game at, at for 65 to 70 games. He's been training down in minutes to start seasons until injuries force him to play. Um, I think this, I think this will be the first year that he plays less than 30 minutes a game on average. Uh, 
I, I really think, and, and, and part of that is, I think he wants to be eligible for year-end awards. Um, and, and I think in order to be eligible for that, you need to play at least 65 games. So if he plays like 28 to 30 minutes a game for 65 games, I would consider that a huge win. Many more games than that, and you start risking whether or not he's going to be uh, you know, at peak form for the playoffs. Many more minutes than that per game obviously does the same thing. So I, I personally would like to see uh, LeBron in that 28 to 30 minutes uh, area. The Lakers have plenty of wing depth and and plenty of on-ball creativity to allow that to happen and, and help him get to that 65-game threshold that players need to get to in order to be eligible for year-end awards, um, individual year-end awards, and, and, and kind of go from there. Um, I would say, you know, for, for AD... I would actually, you know, that that 28 to 30 minute, I think that should be closer to like 33 to 35 minutes a game for AD this year. And again, any 65 and up would be a win for me. I would obviously prefer to see both of those guys for 82, but that's not realistic or smart. So, uh, but for, for LeBron in particular, getting him, you know, to more manageable minutes, um, making those minutes a little bit easier on him. And I've always said for LeBron, the way that you make his minutes easy isn't by surrounding him with creators who can't shoot, but you know, preferably with some guys like Reeves, like who I just talked about, can be both brick or mortar in those LeBron lineups. And uh, you know, being able to space the floor so he isn't running into the key or driving into the paint with three or four defenders waiting for him there who he either needs to stop quickly to avoid or Euro step and, 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 uh, you know, apply that lateral pressure on his body or take contact from those players. Um, the, the easier his drives to the basket can get the easier that his possession by possession life offensively can get. And, and the easier that his defensive life can get um, all the better. So 28 to 30 minutes a game where, you know, maybe once a week he really goes into, or maybe like once every other week he goes into LeBron God mode and goes out and wins you a game by himself. Um, I think that's those are like fair baselines to hope for going into the season, and anything above that is is uh, is house money. Uh, all right, I am uh, gonna go ahead and and. and Wait for some of your questions. If you have any other any other uh, questions or topics that we want uh, mentioned, um, in the meantime, I, I guess I can. I don't know. So I love winning time. I really, honestly do. And I, I think on the whole, it's been a fantastic show, not just for Lakers fans, but for like TV fans. It's got an incredible cast. That cast is busting their ass, and you can tell that they're all having a bunch of fun doing it. Um, but I, uh, I've, ju- I've started reading actually Jeff Perlman's book, the actual book on, uh, on that era and, uh, Showtime is the name of the book. And, um, I'm actually listening to it on audiobook, So I don't know if you, uh, <laughs> differentiate between the two, but I, I've been listening to the audiobook, and, and, um, you know, one thing that the show is really trying to do is I think kind of whitewash uh LeBron or not LeBron it magic's uh off-court 
proclivities is, is how I would say it. And, and how he spends every waking moment either talking to or hoping to talk to Cookie and, and courting Cookie in, in all of these ways when in reality that wasn't how it was playing out. We haven't had any interaction off of the court with Magic and, and uh, Dr. Bus. We haven't had any of the partying or uh, dalliances that, that Magic was like famous for at, during that period. And, you know, it's, it's kind of, um, it, it's kind of what I, I liked about the first season with Jerry West, where Jerry, the person hated the character, the, the, the portrayal of him on the screen. And it, you know, it showed him as this alcoholic and it showed him as this broken person, this beaten down person who uh, was just bitter towards the entirety of the world. And by the way, like, minus the alcoholism, um, I'm not going to speak on that or whatever, but like the insanely bitter and and, and all of those things, like Jerry West himself has, has said that he is those things. And over the course of the season, you really got to see the growth from the beginning where he's a very low point character and you see him gradually build himself up and, and, and be more open to the joys of, of life and the joys of basketball by the end of the first season. And, and I kind of think the way that they're doing this with magic is they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, where they want to show this growth from magic, but they also don't necessarily want to show what he is growing from. And, uh, you know, I, 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 you can't have that both ways. And, and certainly if you're going to try to have it both ways, it's not going to be very, a very, uh, interesting retelling of those events. So one thing that I, I, you know, and I don't think we're going to get it. Magic is far too powerful in media, um, for them to be that real about, I, I, I think uh, same kind of goes for, for Jeannie bus where, uh, the, the the retelling of things from her perspective uh, in that show is, is very different from how she tells it herself in the book. Um, but I, I, you know, when you look at the show and, and there are going to be some choices made both dramatically and frankly, politically that, um, you know, dramatically I have no problem with, but if you're doing things politically and, and you're going to be this like rough and edgy show that takes pot shots at the city of Boston and, and takes pot shots at it at, at, at all kinds of things um, that I have no problem with you taking shots at. By the way, I I love people shitting on Boston. That's great, but if you're gonna be if you're gonna like you know proudly puff up your chest as the show that is willing to go you know there, I think that you need to be willing to go there with with everything and 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 the stuff with magic thus far and frankly some of the stuff with Genie has been incredibly vanilla. All right, it does look like we have a couple questions here, so I'll answer those, and then uh, we will uh, get back to it. So, um, oh, Carlo uh, Eustachio, Eustachio um, asking, what's my reaction to Kuz's latest tweets? I haven't seen Kuz's latest tweets, uh, so I will pull up Kyle Kuzma's Twitter and find out about those tweets with you and you will get to see this for me live so that's always exciting oh i guess search just doesn't work on twitter's tweet deck that's cool elon good work um or is twitter just down twitter just might be down 
which wouldn't surprise me either. Um, but I, I, I think, uh, I think Kuz, all of Kuz's tweets, the thing about Kuz is he's very good at understanding how to be popular and what makes him popular. What makes Kuzma more popular than your average like wing, especially playing for the Washington Wizards, is his history with the Lakers. And he has leveraged that history with the Lakers, that popularity with the Lakers fan base, and an understanding that the Lakers fan base would love to have him back because he was a part of one of the biggest mistakes in Lakers organizational history. Um, you know, if he ever kind of hints at Lakers stuff and anytime he tweets about Lakers stuff, and I don't know what this is about, if this was about that or whatever, but uh, if if indeed that is what's going on there, it's him understanding which buttons to press to you know make sure people still remember. Hey, you know, by the way, I'm over here, and you guys might still want me. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm guessing that's kind of what was going on there. Let's go one more question here, uh, also from Carlo. Uh, if the Lakers decide to deal, what are your top three? Who are your top three players they should target? In your opinion, uh, top three players. Man, I'm not going to name anybody specifically, but I, I do think it's worth it to kind of talk about uh, archetype. So the the number one archetype that I actually think the Lakers really need is a bigger shooting guard to defend the Devin Booker's the Anthony Edwards, the even, you know, the Paul Georges or, or, you know, those kinds of players that the Lakers will face uh, both in the uh, hell Michael Porter jr. Falls into this category though. He's obviously more of a wing slash power forward, but um, yeah, I, the Lakers, if, if Austin is your starting point guard, you're going to be really good there. If, D'Angelo Russell is your starting shooting guard. You're good in the regular season. You're going to need to replace it in the postseason. Obviously, you're going to have uh, Rui or LeBron at your small forward, and then Rui or LeBron at your power forward, and then you're going to have Anthony Davis. So the one like positional need that the Lakers really, you know, if if they were to land a player like this, would really elevate the the roster to that next level, would be a connective shooting guard who defends well and uh, shoots well. That, to me, would be uh, the ideal acquisition. And what who that player might be and, and what that might look like, or if the Lakers instead opt for like a bigger point guard and, and then see Austin as more of your shooting guard next to the point guard, or, or like a, a, a double, you know, a, a, a two-headed point guard kind of situation, um, then I'd be fine with that too. But... Uh, that's where I would start with in, in terms of uh, type of player that that they that they kind of need or definitely need. The next kind of player that I would be interested in in landing is uh, or or kind of move that I'd be cool with pursuing is consolidating some of their wing depth. Right, they have Torian Prince, they have Rui Hachimura, they have um, Cam Reddish, but you know he's just kind of there, um, and obviously you have LeBron. I would be curious if you combined, you know, Rui and D'Lo or, or Prince and D'Lo or whatever to see what kind of wing that you can bring in who is, you know, maybe a little bit better than Rui right now. And look, if Rui is who he was in the postseason, then you don't even necessarily need to do this. My, my number one priority 
would still and is still be uh, would still be is still the shooting guard spot that I just talked about a second ago. Um, but if he isn't necessarily the same player that we saw in the postseason, then you do probably need to go out and get a better three and D wing. And uh, and and you know whether that's using Delo's contract or Rui's and and another wings or whatever, then then that's how you go about it. But um, that'd be the next thing is is kind of offering up or adding a little bit more insurance just in case Rui's postseason play last year was an outlier uh, or, you know, was actually the outlier that it, that it's been to this point in his career. Um, the last kind of player that I, I would, I'd be cool with, you know, turning D'Lo into, I mean, look, this will be the only player that I mentioned by name. And it's only because the rumors and stuff aren't, isn't going anywhere, but Kyrie Irving is, is going to be a topic of conversation Every time Dallas hits kind of a downswing, anytime the Lakers hit kind of a downswing, hell, even if both teams are playing really well, those you're 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 still going to get some of those uh, rumors out there. You know, Kyrie Irving's looking over at the success that the Lakers are having and thinks he just might be the the spice that takes that plate to the next level. Um, that's not going anywhere uh, for a variety of reasons. One of which being LeBron wants Kyrie, so. Um, I, I, that would be the only like specific player who doesn't necessarily, or doesn't meet the archetype or fit the archetypes that we just talked about a second ago, who I think the Lakers might have a little interest in. Um, but ideally everything works. D'Angelo Russell takes a step forward offensively and, and, and makes it so that you can really believe in him come postseason time. Uh, you, you find out that Austin and Rui were actually the players that they were, or they are, they actually are the players that they were in the postseason, and you can build off of that. Um, and 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 that the Lakers roster, like you know, especially if they add a, the, the right big to to finish their offseason out, uh, it, it, ideally that's how all of this goes, and and everybody's able to move forward as such. But you know, that's not typically how this goes. There are going to be stumbling blocks over the course of the season. And progress isn't linear, and in this case, that's those are those are the kind of either archetypes or players that I think either I would pro, I would prioritize, or who I think the Lakers are going to be interested in for the entirety of the season. Uh, this comment came in right at the very end here. Pat Greedy asking, "Is Max Christie off limits for Kyrie?" Man, that's a good question. No, I don't think he would be. Whether or not I think he should be, man, that's a tough one. I this is going to be one of those things that uh, I think we're going to be looking to find out as quickly as possible because he looked special in in summer league and looked really good last year. So if if Max Christie is for real. He fits that archetype of the bigger, longer, you know, solid defensively shooting guard that I talked about um, that last segment. So, and if he is that player and he doesn't, he makes it so that that acquisition isn't as necessary, then, you know, the, the roster is elevated and you could be a lot more choosy as it pertains to adding to it. Um, the last note that I'll make on their deadline and i've talked about this um is 
what I want from the Lakers from especially the first half of the season is be good enough that you arrive at the deadline and you can operate from a position of leverage. Whereas in the last couple off seasons, when the Lakers have looked to have conversation with teams, conversations with teams, those teams knew that the Lakers needed to do something. And in this case, if the Lakers are good enough in the first half of the season and things are going well enough, the Lakers can have those conversations and walk away from the table. And, and so long as the other side of that negotiation understands that you can push away from the table, you have the upper hand. And that is, I think, the top macro goal of the first half of this season is be good enough that you go into any of these negotiations and say, and, and, and with the ability to say, eh, we're good, because they would be. All right, that is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in the way that you did and the way that you have this offseason. Um, like I said, we are hopefully, because FIBA play is, is tipping off on, on Friday officially, uh, we'll be able to have a little bit more kind of uh, non-evergreen content, and, and I'll have some, some stuff specifically to talk about. I just can't wait to analyze actual basketball um i have a feeling i'm going to be complaining a lot about steve kerr which is always fun for people to listen to um and 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 yeah we will get to that as well so until then and until the next time you guys hear from me i'm anthony irwin this is